0: Hey, it's January 20th, those of you that don't know. And uh, um, it's been almost a month since Christmas. Isn't that crazy, right? Um, And I have a question. Doris, is your Christmas tree still up? No. Is anyone's Christmas tree still up? All right. How about Christmas lights? Is anybody's Christmas lights still up? Mine, Mine are still up. Actually, this week... Um, we're pulling into the house and as we're pulling in, I already know the, the it's going to, the topic's going to come up. It's me and my wife, we're in the car and she's like, well, honey, uh, when are you going to take the lights down? And, and here's the thing. It's just so much work to put the lights up. And then 30 days later, you got to take it down. And so I say, honey, why don't you give me till like Valentine's day this year? And she's like, what does Valentine's day have to do with Christmas? I'm like, I don't know. I just, honestly, I just don't feel like taking them down. So I might take them down this week. You know, Christmas is a great holiday, but it's a lot of work. You know, you have to cook, you got to clean, you got to dress up, you got to be happy all the time, you got to treat people nice all the time, you know, spend tons of money buying gifts and and wrapping gifts and writing cards and buying stamps, who buys stamps anymore and mailing stuff. And then if you have kids like I do, and, and, and I hope I don't sound ungrateful, but they get so much toys They get so many toys, like, and and here's the thing, you know, and everything has batteries and everything talks. That's another thing, all right? It's like, before toys, I used to have Ninja Turtles, and I I loved my Ninja Turtles, and and I bought my kids some Ninja Turtles for Christmas. These are the noisiest, most annoying Ninja Turtles I've ever seen. They look just like the ones I had, but they're like, yeah, wah! And so I'm in the car, and there's like all these noises all the time, and it just drives me nuts. And uh, to make matters worse, my kids have five amazing grandparents. And no, I'm not a test tube baby. Um, they just have two regular sets of grandparents. And then they have three sets of great grandparents. And you know what that means? That means gift overload. All right. Everywhere I look in my house, there's a toy. All right. The other day, I'm going to the fridge and look at what I saw in the fridge. All right. And so, I look to the right, I look to the left, every corner, there's something. I go to take a shower every morning, and I'm kind of running late in the mornings. And this is what my shower looks like every morning. All right, here's a close-up of my shower. All right? And so, every morning, I got to pick up these toys. and all. I mean, it's like everywhere I look. And the other night, uh, this is a saying that Cuban people have. Lo que le puso la tapa pomo, which is what, put the lid on the... Bottle, I don't know if that translates well, but just to top it off, all right? Let me put it to you this way. I'm walking to the bathroom in the hallway because I'm trying to be a good husband and not wake my wife up in the middle of the night. And so I'm walking. And so you know what happens in the middle of the night when you're trying to walk to the bathroom? You don't even want to open your eyes because you want to fall back asleep immediately. And so I'm kind of walking like this, trying not to see any lights. And all of a sudden, I'm like, ah! And I'm thinking I stepped on a rusty nail. I'm like, who put a rusty nail in the middle of the hallway? I'm thinking it's a piece of glass. And then I'm like... And I finally like make it to like a chair and I sit down and I'm looking for the nail. I'm looking for the gra- for the glass and I see in the distance this little tiny car. All right. The kids had left the car like in the middle of the hallway. And I'm like, that's it. I've had enough. It's over. And so that morning when my wife wakes up, I'm like, honey, we need to have a real serious conversation. She's looking at me like, oh, what did I do? And I'm like, our kids have too much stuff. They have too many toys. All right. When they wake up. We're going to give them a box and they're going to put all the toys they don't play with in the box. All right. And so they wake up and and I tell them about this. They're all excited. And I'm like proud of my kids. Like, okay. I'm like, you know, there's kids that they don't have any toys. And you have all these new toys, all these nice toys that you don't play with. 90% of your toys, you don't even play with them. So let's give them away. And they're like, all right, papi. And so I give them the box and I go do my thing. And like 30 minutes later, they come to me. Okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. I'm like, okay. I walk into the room and I see this box full of toys. And I'm like, wow, these kids, you know, they're good kids. And I start looking through the box and I see most of the toys are like the free toys they get on their happy meal. (laughs) And then it's like broken toys, toys that, that are old, toys that don't work anymore. And I look at them and I'm like, guys, like, what is this? I'm like, how would you feel if the next time that you ask me for something, you ask me for a toy, I give you something that I don't want. I give you something that's ugly, that's broken, that doesn't work. And their response to me is, Papi, you would never do that. You love us too much. And and, and you may be thinking, Mark, don't you think you're a little hard on your kids? They're only four and five. You know, they'll grow out of it. You know, and it's cute now. But the truth is, people don't grow out of it. As adults, we do the same thing all of the time. Think about the last time someone was begging for money on the street what do we give them the sticky pennies that are laying around in the car the stuff you spilled your coke on and now it's dried and so you go to give them some change and it looks like like a rice crispy treat you know what i mean as you're giving it to them you know you would not believe how many phone calls we get at the church right it's like hey i have this giant television and it doesn't really work well but i don't want it anymore because i got a new tv can i drop it off at the office you know, and a real popular one now. I got this giant computer, it's really slow. And you know, uh, can I drop it off at the office? And I'm like, what are we gonna do with your things that don't work your giant television or your giant computer that's slow that doesn't work anymore? All right, and, and an even funnier one you know, it all comes down to this shoe. All right, looks brand new, doesn't even smell. All right, a couple of years ago. Um, we're doing this outreach and we need clothes and we're telling the congregation, Hey, can you bring clothes? Things that, you know, look good, that aren't too worn out. We're doing this outreach. We're going to give it to the homeless. And so it goes on for over a month. And the last week it's like, Oh, this is the last week you can bring your stuff. One of my friends here at the church is like, Hey, Hey, uh, can you take this to the office? I'm like, sure, bro. Thank you. He's like, Hey, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I'm like, awesome. So I get to the office the next day on Monday, I give it to the guy in charge of the outreach. And then later on in the day, I'm like, hey, have you gotten a lot of stuff? Oh, we got in tons of stuff. I'm like, how was that bag that I gave you? He's like, it was all right. And he's like, you know, and, and this shoe was in there. And I look at it, and I'm like, bro, that's, this is brand new. That's really nice. And he goes, no, no, no. There's just one shoe in the bag. And I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, I know this guy. He has two legs and two feet. You know, did you look good? You know, it's canvas, so it's probably like... No, 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 no. I emptied it out. There's only one shoe. So I call the guy up, and I'm like, hey, bro, thanks for all the stuff you donated. You know, I noticed that there was only one chuck, one one shoe in the bag. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's because I couldn't find the other one. I had no idea where it was, so I just gave it to you guys. I'm like, bro. So now I got to walk around Miami and find the one homeless with one leg, right? (laughs) And hope that it's his left leg, right? (laughs) So... Sorry about that. Um, And and so here's the thing. We do stuff like that all the time when it comes, not just to the things that we give God, but what we do with the Lord. You know? It's like, God, here, I'm going to give you my scraps. I'm going to give you my leftovers. I'm going to give you lo que me conviene. What's convenient to me. And that is exactly what's going on in the portion of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today. See, we're in this series called Covenant where we're taking an in-depth look at the book of Malachi. And today we're looking at Malachi chapter 2. But before we jump in, I kind of want to give you a little bit of history. What's going on? How did they get to the point that they're in? So first of all, uh, last week's uh, message... It touched a little bit on the fact that people were bringing God, like they had to bring sacrifices for the atonement of their sin, for the forgiveness of their sin. There's a price for sin, and we know that. So people would bring sacrifices to God, but the sacrifices that they were bringing was like the lamb that was missing an eye, you know, or the two-legged lamb. They, They were bringing their sick animals to the Lord, the offerings that weren't worthy of God. Offerings that were against what God had laid out and, and the priests were accepting these offerings. And so what brought the children of Israel to this point? You see, a hundred years before that point, they were captives to Babylon for about 70 years. So for 70 years, they were slaves to the Babylonians. And then under Nehemiah and Ezra, they go back and they rebuilt their city. They rebuilt the walls. And the children of Israel were on fire for God. They were so passionate about the Lord. All right, they were worshiping God. I love reading the scriptures where they all stand at one voice and they cry out to God. And yet now, 70 years have gone by. 100 years have gone by. And their relationship with God has gotten kind of stale. You know, they're kind of just going with emotions, it's more ritual, there's really no heart, there's no passion. You know, and some of us can identify with that. A lot of us grew up in a religion or in in traditions like that where, you know, we had to go and do little symbols and and kneel down and, and do all these rituals, but there really was no heart. There was no passion behind it. And that is what's happening with the children of Israel at this time. And God's like, I've had enough. All right? I've had enough of your sick. Nasty scraps. I want all of you. And so that's what we find ourselves today. Malachi chapter 2 starting in verse 1. You can pull out your outline and follow along with me. And it says this. And now you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants, and I will smear on your faces the dung of your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried away with it. Stop there. Give me your attention. It's like, whoa, God is mad. He's going to smear poop on their face. And you're thinking, where's this poop coming from? All right. You know, where is God? Here, here's the thing. When people would present the sacrifices to the Lord, there was this whole series of things that the priest had to do and clean the animal and prepare the animal. So they would take all the guts out. I don't know if any of you, like, you know, before Buena or before the 31st, you go to where they slaughter the pigs and you see all that stuff going on. Well, that smells, all right? When I grew up, I remember, like, around October, my dad showed up to my house with a little pig. And me and my sister, we played with the pig. All right? And then come December 23rd, I show up and the pig's hanging from the tree in the backyard. And I'm like, that was my friend. That was Pepito. All right? And so the priest had to clean the pig. And here's the thing all the guts and the nasty stuff and the poop that was still in the intestines and the colon of this pig. And I want to make it real nasty so you can kind of have a picture of the smell and the nastiness. God said, you know what? I'm going to smear that on your face. And here's the thing that junk. Um, it couldn't be thrown away in the city because the city was holy. The city was pure. That had to be thrown outside of the walls of the city. And God said, you know what? I'm going to smear it on your face, and then I'm going to throw you over the wall with it. I'm going to kick you out of the church. I'm going to kick you out of the temple because of the way that you're living your lives. And so we continue reading in verse 4. And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. Who is Levi? All right, it's not the jeans guy, okay? Levi was the tribe, this tribe that honored God. You guys remember the story of Moses? Right When he goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And while he's up there, the people get restless. They're like, he's taking too long. We want a God. And what do they do? They make this God, a a calf out of gold. And everybody's worshiping. Moses comes down. He's upset and says, who's going to stand with me and follow God? And the entire tribe of Levi, the Bible says, stood with Moses and stood with the Lord. And there the blessing came upon that tribe, upon that family. And from then on, every single priest came from the tribe of Levi. And so you couldn't work in the church, you couldn't be a priest in the church, a pastor, if you were not from this specific family. Okay, so this is the covenant of Levi that the scripture is talking about here. It says, From the lips of the priest, in verse 7, ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teachings have caused many to stumble, and other causing people to stumble to backslide. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I' have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because of you have not, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Stop there and give me your attention. And some of you may be thinking, as I'm reading this mark, this is for the priest. This is for like the pastor. This is for the pastors in the church. Why, why are you sharing this with us? Talk to us about something else. And here's the thing, you're right. This is for the pastors in the church. But it's not just something that is for us. It is also for you. You see, under the old covenant, this covenant that the scripture is talking about, for the atonement of sin, like I said, an animal, there had to be a sacrifice for sin. And a priest would offer it up in the name of the Lord. Under the new covenant, which what we're in right now, Jesus... Is our high priest who offered himself up as the final sacrifice? Can I get an amen? amen? Jesus is our priest and offered himself up. I love the way Hebrews says it. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith. We profess in Hebrews 7, 23 to 25, it makes it clear that because Jesus has become the permanent priest, the Old Testament priesthood is obsolete. It's dead. It doesn't exist anymore. Hebrews 7, 27 says this. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day for his own sins and the sins of the people. He sacrificed for for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. All right. So once and for all, because of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven of our sin. Okay? In verse 27, it tells us that sacrifices are no longer necessary because he paid the price with his life. And so unlike the other high priests, he doesn't need to sacrifice day after day. And the first filling in your outline is that Jesus is our high priest. I don't know about you, but, but hearing that and knowing that, that makes me excited. That makes me excited, that makes me happy, it makes me feel blessed that I don't need to go to a man to offer up a sacrifice for the forgiveness of my sin. I don't need to go to a man and confess my sins and say a few little prayers and a few little things. Because of Jesus, I can go directly to God and receive forgiveness of my sin. And you know what? It even gets better than that. First Peter two nine says this, but you, talking to us, the church, you are, the ch- are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. Because of Jesus, now you and I are priests as well. Everyone who believes in Jesus is a priest. That's the next filling in your outline. And you're thinking like, so what does that mean, Mark? Do I need to get a black shirt and put a little white thing? I'm like, no. That's not what that, what that means. That, what, what that means is that now, as priests... Of the Lord, We have an obligation to serve God, to worship God, and to lead people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are a royal priesthood. See, the same way that the priests were called to serve the Lord back then, today, you and I as priests are called to serve the Lord. Unfortunately, what happens is that many times we forget the functions that we're responsible for as followers of Christ. You know, what happens is that we see this privilege... It's no longer a privilege. It's a duty that turns into a drag, something that's inconvenient, something that gets in the way of our schedule. You see, we no longer see it as, man, we're a royal priesthood. Jesus died for us. He's our high priest. And because of the forgiveness that we have, that old covenant that was just for one family is like, you know what? Everyone gets to come in. Everyone gets to serve the Lord. You know that, that before, like I said, it doesn't matter how equipped you were, how passionate you were about wanting to serve God and his church. It was not possible. If you were not, if you did not belong to this family, there was no way that you could get in. And Jesus broke that covenant and gave us a new covenant. And so let's read Malachi now. Okay, now that we know that this is for us, that we are priests, let's read the first two verses one more time. It says, and now you priests, and now church And now followers of Jesus, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. Stop there and give me your attention. God wants to bless us. I read this and I don't think, man, God's going to curse me. It says, if you don't resolve to honor me. If. And so... What I see here is that God wants to bless me. God wants to shower me with his blessings. God wants to bless me more than I could even imagine. It's in the word. More than we can imagine. God wants to give us that. You see, I have this deal with my kids. If they behave at home, if they're good at school, if they follow, we have this little checklist that they got to do every single day for a whole week on Sunday. Today, when I get home from from church, there's this box that we have. It's a good boy box. I love the good boy box because it's clear. So they can see the blessing all week. And sometimes I remind them of the blessing. I'm like, look, you're not going to get the blessing if you don't obey your mom, if you disrespect your mom, if you do bad in school, if you guys punch each other in the face. You're not going to be able to, there's the blessing, look at it. And sometimes they're like, papi, can we look in the good boy box? I'm like, yeah, you can look at the good boy's box as much as you want. I open it up, and they look at it, and they're like, hmm. And they're thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to get on Sunday, because I want them to... they can't touch it, but they can look at it. All right, And you're like, Mark, you're cruel. How could you do that? I'm not cruel. You know what I want? I don't want my kids to be losers when they grow up. I want my kids to be responsible. I want my kids to know that there is a price. And there's also a reward. And so if they're disobedient, there's a price to be paid. If they're obedient, then there's a reward. There is a blessing that comes along with it. And so I'm not cruel. And me and my wife, we love giving our kids stuff and you know what this good boy box came from like every single time we go to target our kids want something and we're like negotiating with them like oh no that's too much money you could get this three dollar thing and then, and then and so what we did is like how about if instead of just giving them stuff whenever they asked for it we taught them a lesson with the things that they want and so every single week there's a lesson that they're learning there's weeks you know last week they didn't get anything out of the good boy box all right this week, when I get home, they may get something out of the good boy box. And, and I love giving my kids stuff. And here's the awesome thing. Luke 11 says this. If you, then, who are evil, he's talking to us, we're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give? I mean, we have an awesome God. Say that with me. We have an awesome God. We have a God that loves to give his children things. God loves you more than we could ever love our kids, our wives, our friends, our family. And you're probably thinking, Mark, you know what? God doesn't love me. Look at me. Look at my life. Look at the things that are going on in my life. You have no idea what I'm going through. He may love you. He may love the person sitting in front of me. But God doesn't love me because he never blesses me. I don't see God's blessings in my life. Or maybe you're here today and you're probably thinking, there was a time in my life when I felt God. There was a time in my life when I knew that God was there. There was a time in my life that I would pray and bam, things would happen. What happened? You know, I haven't seen the blessings of God in my life for a long time. Where is the Lord? I no longer see Him in my life. And here, my friends, lies the problem. Just like the children of Israel, the priests in the time of Malachi, the reason that we don't see the blessings of God in our life is because we're giving God our scraps. We're giving God our leftovers. When it comes to our time, when it comes to our service to the Lord, we're giving Him our scraps. We're giving him what's convenient. We're giving him what fits into our schedule. We're not saying, God, you know what? Here's everything. And everything else somehow has to fit into you. Fit into what you want in my life. See, when it comes to our giving here, giving to the Lord, we give him what's convenient. 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. If it doesn't hurt, I give it. And yet we still want to enjoy the good boy box. We still want to enjoy all the blessings of God. And you know what? God wants us to enjoy it. But the problem is that our blessings, like we read our curse malachi 2 2 says i will send a curse on you and i will curse your blessings yes i have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me see when we decide to honor him the blessings will come but when we are disobedient the blessings stop coming you see um my kids i brought a picture um they love animals and this was them on friday i'm in the office studying for this message and my wife sent me this picture and anything that has to do with animals you really got to love animals to take a picture with that giant pig right um they like going to sequarium they like they rode camels that day they fed the giraffes at the zoo they like going to a jungle island i mean anything that has to do with animals i'm in the park all right and i'm gonna confess i'm a little scared of big dogs okay they're not my one-year-old daughter she sees a big dog in the park and she's like running to stick her hand in the dog's mouth they love animals And so one day um, I tell my wife, you know what, Uh, I don't want a big dog, but how about if we get the kids some fish? And she's like, oh, okay, if you want. And so she was at a birthday party with the kids. And I went to the pet store. And I bought the fish tank. And I, and, and I talked to the, to the manager at the, at, the, at the pet shop. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm buying this fish tank. Can you tell me how to get it started? You know, I've always had bad luck with fish. And he's like, okay, look, here, get the tank. Get these drops. And in a week, come back and buy fish. And I'm like, in a week, come back and buy fish? That's not fun, all right? My, if my kids show up to the house and there's an empty tank of water... They're going to be like, oh, what's the big deal? And so I'm like, all right, dude. Thank you, man. I really appreciate your advice. And I go, I get the drops. I get the tank. I get all the little rocks and the fake trees and the light and like 20 fish. And I get home and on my way home, I call my wife. I'm like, honey, how much time do I have? Oh, I'll be home in like 45 minutes. And so I get home. I put the water. I put the drops. I start the filter. And it's like 15 minutes left. And and I throw all the fish in the tank. And then I, I sit on the couch. Because I want them to get home and, you know, papi's hanging out watching Sports Center or whatever on TV. And then that's what happens. They jump on me. Hey, papi, we have fun. Look at all the candy we got. And I'm like, hey, I got a surprise for you guys. All right? I got this blessing that I'm going to give you. And when we show up to the room, every si- my kids started crying. <laughs> every single fish was dead. Okay? I killed all the fish. And you know why that happened? Because I was disobedient. I couldn't enjoy the blessing. Because I didn't listen to the advice that the professional, the guy that ran the store, gave me. I chose to do things my way. I chose to do things how I wanted to do it. It's my money. I'm the boss. It's my house. It's my table that the fish tank is on. It's my water that's going in there. So I'm going to do whatever I want, Mr. Fish genius. All right? And then my kids walk into the room. I'm trying to bless my kids. And I can't even bless my kids because of my disobedience, because of my stubbornness. But here's the thing. There's hope. A lot of us live our lives just like I live with that dumb fish tank that's still in a... Actually, in the second service, a guy came up to me in the first service and says, Hey, uh, if that fish tank's still in your closet, can I have it? And I said, Sure. All right, come pick it up today. And, and, and I, I don't even want to see that fish tank again because it reminded me of the money I blew and, and my kids crying and my disobedience. So I put it in my shed in the back of the house. All right. And today it's leaving my house. What a glorious day. All right. But here's the thing, the same way that fish tanks leaving my house today, there's hope. When God started talking to the people in the book of Malachi, he said, if you don't listen. So today God's talking to you and to me. You've been disobedient, you've given me your scraps, you've done things that you shouldn't have done. You're doing things you shouldn't be doing. But today, if you decide to turn your back on those things, there is hope. And so you're probably asking yourself, you're probably dying to shout, Okay, so how do I do it, Pastor Mark? What do I need to do for the blessings to return to my life? For the blessings to come into my life? The first thing that we need to do is we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. You see, that's the root of all of our problems is that we don't humble ourselves. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. Heal their land. What does that mean? I live in an apartment in Hialeah. What land do I have? What's God going to heal? This is written in the Old Testament. In the times of the Bible. Blessings and prosperity were attached to your land. If you were a prosperous man. It's because you had great Uh, uh, fruit, you had great uh, uh, flocks of animals, and and you had all these things. And if your land was cursed, that meant that you didn't have food to eat, you didn't have money, you didn't have anything. And God said, you know what? I'm going to heal your land. The curses, the lack of blessings, I will heal them in your life. Right now, God's telling you, you know what? If you humble yourself, the blessings will come back into your life the blessings will return to your life. And and why is that so important? Why is humble being humble so important? And the reason is is that not being humble is being proud. It's having pride. And the source of every single one of our problems, write it down, tweet it, post it on Facebook, the source of all of our problems is pride. It all comes down to pride. Think of the last mess that you were in. Think of the mess that you're in now. It all comes down to pride. It's the source. It's the root. It's the bottom line of every single one of the issues in our life. It's when we say, you know what, God, I know better than you know, God. You know what, God, in this area of my life, I don't need you. I can do it on my own. You know what the middle letter in the word pride is? What is it? I. I. It's me, it's me, it's me. I can figure it out on my own. I could do this on my own. This doesn't pertain to me. This is for other people. And that is what's going on with the priest in the Old Testament. They knew the word of God. They knew the law. We just read it. You know what? Like, we have Bibles, we have Bible apps, If we have a question, we could Google it. That didn't exist back then. So to be a priest, you know what you had to do? You had to have the scriptures Memorized. Okay, so these guys that were disobeying God had this stuff memorized. But in their mind, they're saying, you know what, that was a 100 years ago. That was for the other guys. That was for my great-great-grandfather Levi, okay, and his gene company. That, that doesn't pertain to me today, okay? That, that's for old people. And we make conclusions like this all the time. You know, we're, we're modern. We're in a modern church. It's 2013, Mark. We got to be more tolerant. We got to accept Different types of things. And God's saying, you know what? I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you say that, God, this isn't for me, or God, I could do it on my own, we're being proud. And check out what James says about proud people. It says, God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. Okay, this is like having like Shaquille O'Neal times 1,000 standing in front of a 10-foot basket. And you're trying to make that thing in the basket. All right, it's not going to happen. All right, if you're proud, it's not going to happen. But what does he do to the humble? He gives grace to the humble. He blesses the humble. God wants to bless your life, but you need to humble yourself. The second thing you need to do is you need to turn from your sin. You need to, right now, when I said turn from your sin, a lot of you, boop, 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 it starts popping up. And you're thinking, man, I hope my wife didn't see that little bubble that popped up on top of my head. I hope the pastor didn't see that boop, that little thing that popped up, the sin. You know what? I I have no idea. Your wife probably doesn't know. Your husband probably doesn't know. Your friends don't know. But you know what? God knows what it is. Turn from your sin. The Bible calls it repent. Check out what Acts Says, repent and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You're wondering why, man, why is life so stressful? Repent, turn from your sin, and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Times of blessing will come from the Lord. We must repent with sincerity if we want healing in our marriages, if we want healing in our homes, in our families, in our hearts, in our careers. We must repent with sincerity. And what does that word repent really mean? We don't really use that in our day-to-day language. See, a lot of people misunderstand that word. Repent is a word from the Greek. Okay? And and you're thinking, Mark, you know Greek. I don't know Greek. I have a Greek dictionary. Okay? But the New Testament was written in Greek. and, And the Greek word for repent is metanoia. All right? And it's a compound word. Meta means churn, to change, to flip. And noia means mind. And so you know what repent means. It means we need to change our mind. Repentance means we need to change the way that we think. And what do I change? I got to change the way I think about myself. That's repentance. I got to change the way I think about God. I got to change the way that I think about what matters in life. I got to change the way I think about my values. I got to change the way I think about other people. I got to change the way I think about my past, my present, and my future. I got to change the way I think about money. I got to change the way I think about my life and my time. I got to change the way I think about when people attack me. The way I think about my enemies. Change what I think about my future and what I'm going to do tomorrow. That is what repentance is. You know what in our modern world what repentance is? It's a paradigm shift. That's what it is. Repentance means a paradigm shift. It means the way we used to think, that's not how we think anymore. I used to think that I was awful of guilt. And now I think that I'm full of forgiveness. I used to think that I was lonely. And now I think about how God is always with me. I used to think on how angry and upset and resentful I was on the people that hurt me. And now I think about how much God loves me and how he has forgiven me. I used to think about how money was the most important thing. And being famous and being popular were the most important thing. And now I think about what matters is pleasing God. I changed my mind it's a paradigm shift it's metanoia if we want the blessings to come back to our life we need to one humble ourselves and we need to repent and the third thing that we need to do is we need to put God in our life the first thing in our life God needs to be the first thing in our life and you're thinking like Mark these things sound real basic and they are why aren't we doing them Make God the center of your life, that every decision that you make is based on the fact of where is God in my life. Think about it this way. Think about that celebrity that you want to meet, that famous person that you want to meet. Maybe it's an athlete. Maybe it's like LeBron James or Kobe. I don't know why anybody would want to meet him. Um, And Whoever it is, okay, the president, again... You know, anyone else, a famous person, a model, some you know, single guys, oh I want to meet this beautiful model, whatever. And you're in a room with ten people and this person. Where are you gonna be? You have all access, okay? It's not like oh you can't come ten feet. No, you can do whatever you want. You could sit down with them, you could drink a coke with them, you could take a picture with them. What would you do? I'll tell you what you do. You grab your iPhone, all right, you change the camera, and you'd be like Ksh-sh. All right. Texting it to your friends, posting it on Instagram, posting it on Facebook, posting it everywhere, printing it, blowing it up. You'd ask them all the questions that you want. You'd be like, hey, next time you're in town, you think that I could come back and hang out. All right. And yet when it comes to Jesus, the guy that gave his life for us, the guy that wants to bless our lives. You know, what we say is like, you know what, Jesus, you know, just hang out here. I'm going to take care of my life. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then, but can you still bless me? Can I still go into the good boy box? Can I still get all those things that you promised the people that follow you, but I just want to do my own thing. See, that, that, that's what happens so many times day to day in our life. See, I'm going to give you three things that you could do in your life so that the blessings could come back and so that you can put God first in your life. The first thing, again, real basic is pray to God. Cry out to God every single moment of your life. Pray to the Lord. You wake up. You're driving to work. You're in the middle of of a stressed out board meeting. Whatever it could be. Before a test. During a test. After a test. All right. Cry out to the Lord. I love the way Ephesians says it. Pray in the spirit at all times. All the time. Pray. With all kinds of prayers. Asking for all you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Okay, some of you have given up. You've stopped praying. You're like, God's never going to answer this. Never give up. Sometimes God doesn't bless us. You know why? Because we're not ready. All right, I I say this to the staff all the time. We need to be ready for everyone that's going to show up to church today. All right, we need to be ready with the programs, with the music. We need to be ready with the message, with the lights, with the videos that we're going to show. We need to be ready to serve God's people. Because if we're not ready, God's not going to bless us. Why would God bless the church if the church is not ready to receive the blessing? Why is God going to bless us if we're not ready or we're not mature enough to receive that blessing? Always pray for all God's people. Okay, so prayer is important. the next thing that we need to do is we need to seek God. We need to seek the Lord. And what does that mean to seek God? It doesn't mean to try to find God. It doesn't mean to like be like, hey, God, where are you? You know what I mean? It doesn't mean like, oh, I'm showing up 15 minutes late. But I know there's like connection card. And then we'll sing one more song. And then I hope Pastor Bob's funny today. Or I hope that he doesn't go forever because I'm dying to go to the cheesecake factory. You know, and. And so you're, you're, oh, yeah, I'm trying to find God, and I'm here, but I'm thinking about, oh, man, I have to go do groceries after. and Ah, work tomorrow. Why does Monday have to come so frequently? All right? And so we're seeking God, but are we really seeking Him, or are we just going through the motions like the priest and the children of Israel were in the book of Malachi? Are we anxiously seeking God the way you seek that girl when you sought that girl when you were in high school or that boy that you just had to be with, that you just had to see, you know, when you wanted to go see in sync when you were in high school, you made the line, you did whatever you want, the new kids on the block, all right? You look like Joey. And even though you were a girl, you just had all the clothes and the shoes and the socks, you know, or the Madonna like you you just you wanted to be like that person if a record came out you were like making lines there was no itunes when we were growing up we made lines to get the music that we wanted or we were listening to power 96 with a tape and we're like stop go oh the dj's talking stop (laughs) we we sought that experience we sought to know that person more we would buy magazines we didn't have internet we had to go and buy magazines all right, Or we would get kicked out of the drugstore because we were reading that magazine too long. Because we wanted to know well, what was up with the people that we wanted to know. The people that we admired. The people that we looked at. Seek God. You see, the other day, uh, for, for Father's Day, my wife bought me a new TV. And, and she surprised me. I wasn't expecting anything. I was expecting like lunch or something. Like Elevation Burger or something for Father's Day. And so my wife buys me this TV. It's awesome. And here's the thing, Father's Day was what, June? I probably watched like two things on that TV because it's like Nick Jr., it's like uh, the Disney Jr., every junior. And, and like for the past couple of weeks, like Sophia the First has been on rotation in my house, all right, this little girl cartoon. And so the other day, my mom takes the kids, there's a heat game, and I'm like, oh, babe, we could finally like watch a game on the TV all right? And so we're so excited. We we got our food ready. We got what we were going to drink. We're going to sit down and I turn on the TV and the cable box is off and I can't find the remote. All right? I can't find the remote. My daughter loves remotes. I don't know why. And I had this old remote from my old like Dish network. I tried to give it to her. She doesn't want that one. She wants the real one. And she licks it and she walks around the house with it and I'm trying to find this remote and I can't find it. Finally, the blessing. Of my new big TV is there. The kids are gone. Even bigger. Blessing. All right. I'm trying to watch the game with my wife. Have a good night. Hopefully the night continues to go good. And I can't find the remote. I can't find the remote. And I had to play hide and go seek with the remote. And finally, halftime, I found the remote. It was inside of her toy box or something. And, And hey, you know what? The blessings are right there. God's blessings are just right there. We could see them, but we don't seek him. We don't look for him. We don't passionately try to find him the way that so many times in our life we've passionately sought other things. Hebrews 11 says this, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. And the answers are right there. They're in the word of God. He wants to reward you. Seek him. Look for Him in every single circumstance in your life at every single moment. Look for Him. Especially when things are good. You're like, hey Mark, I must be doing all this stuff right because my life's pretty good. You know what? Preparate. Wait. Get ready. Seek God. If things are going good, thank Him. And get in line. And stop giving Him your scraps. Start giving Him the leftovers. Stop giving Him what's convenient. And give Him everything that you are. The last thing that we need to do is we need to serve God. And this is a a big thing in my life because I've seen the rewards of this. Something that I'm extremely passionate about. Something that I've done my entire life. You see, because when we serve the Lord, we're painting a picture. We're preparing a plan. We're saying, hey, you know what? This is how you live. And hey, we could serve God at work. We could serve God at home. In the first service, I said I could serve God by changing diapers. My wife was sitting right there. I know she's going to quote my message to me when I get home today. But it's true. You know, I can serve my daughter, serve my wife, and make God happy at the same time. I'm doing a good thing. And that's awesome. I could serve God at work by being nice to the people I work for, by being honest. Okay? Look at everything in your life as serving God. Okay? It's awesome. And we can do things with charity. Hey, I've done Habitat for Humanity. I've done Fight Hunger. I've gone on uh, uh, all kinds of trips since I was a kid. I've been involved with all those things. And you know what? That is awesome. And that's a great picture that you're painting. But there's nothing more beautiful than the privilege that we have in this new covenant to come to the house of the Lord and serve the Lord. And parents, the picture that you're painting for your kids, okay? Okay because what would they gain the bible says what would you gain if you get the whole world and you lose your soul you lose your home all right what would you gain if if your children are now the president of habitat for humanity or whatever it is yet they have no relationship with the lord what is the picture that we're painting see there's i've been painting a picture and i didn't even realize it um the other day uh Someone asked my kids, what are you going to be when you grow up? And it's pretty common, you know, and uh, to what their answer, but but man, it was the most beautiful thing that my children have ever said to me. And, and they said, when I grow up, I want to be like Bobby. I, I want to be a pastor. And man, I got tears in my eyes. And, and then I started to think, like, why are you even saying that? They don't. They're not even in here. They're in the children's ministry. And it's because they've put together that the reason that i love my wife and the reason that i love them and i serve them and i protect them and i care about them it has to do with that thing that i'm really really passionate about my service to god and you're probably thinking mark but you're a pastor this is your job this is what you do every day i'm a fireman i'm a mechanic i'm a teacher you know what um it's my job now but my entire life i've been serving god as far back as i can remember when i was a kid when I started here in this church for years, I was working full time serving God here at the church with no, really not really getting compensated. And so I remember when I was uh, dating my wife, we dated for eight years. And eight years of our, of our dating, for the most part, I was in this Christian, like evangelistic band. And, and we would travel and preach and sing music. And uh, we only really went out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday And almost every single date that we had, it was her coming to my concerts and supporting me. And, um, you know, looking back, working on this message, it's like, God, that's where it began. You know, this is why we're blessed today. Because when we were dating for eight years, we were serving you. We were doing your things. You know, we were serving you in the church. We were serving you wherever we could. And, and, And now I look at it, and it's like, sometimes they're like, hey, doesn't your wife get mad? Like sometimes you come home late or whatever and I'll, oh yeah I'm coming home for dinner at 6 and I'll call hey honey something just came up someone died or I need to counsel someone and I need to stay late I'll probably be home at 9 10 o'clock and she's like alright honey I'm praying for you and let me tell you she's dying for me to come home and I don't think it's because she misses me that much it's because she's been with those three kids all day alright she may miss me a little bit and it was God preparing her for the big picture for what, what I do now And so guys, we're painting a picture. What is the picture that you're painting when it comes to your service to God? When people see you, do they see someone that is attached to the Lord? Or do they just see someone that's just doing their thing? I love what John 12 says this, my father will honor the ones who serve me. My father will bless the ones who serve me. See, today we need to choose what type of life are we going to live? Today we need to choose, who are we going to be? Are we going to be like the priests and the children of Israel in Malachi? Or are we going to decide today that we're going to draw a line in the sand. And we're going to give everything that we are, everything that we're able to do to Jesus. And say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Not Jesus, I think you fit right here. Or Jesus, I think that I could, I could drop you in right here. But say, Jesus, you're everything. I'm not going to give you my scraps. I'm not going to give you what's convenient. I'm not going to give you my sick offerings. I'm going to give you everything that I am. And let me tell you something: the blessings will come. We read it, verse after verse after verse. The blessings will come. Stop wondering why God hasn't answered your prayer, and say, Hey, you know what? Look in the mirror. Amen. man, there, there's sin in my life that I need to repent. There's pride in my life I need to humble myself. And I'm not really seeking God with everything that I am.